0: This podcast is proudly brought to you by Nuova Simonelli. Hello and welcome to Tampa Tantrum, of course, brought to you in association with Nivonu Simonelli. Um, my name is Stephen Layton, and this week I'm joined by me, myself and I. Um, Jen came up with this crazy idea that I should do... A monologue of um, I'm currently in Bolivia. Uh, Bolivia is somewhere that is incredibly close to my heart. Uh, if any of you have seen my Tampa Tantrum presentation, please come watch my Tampa Tantrum presentation um, on Bolivia. Uh, I'm properly in love with this country. I've been here every year since uh, 2006. and Continue to make what is an arduous journey. Um, it really is a difficult place to get to. For me, Bolivia is all about logistics. So you can start with the first logistic of getting here. Um, I left my home on lunchtime on Tuesday and I got here two o'clock on Thursday morning, which yeah, is a bit of a marathon journey. There were a lot of long layovers in there to be fair, but you can't get here directly from uh, anywhere in Europe. Um, You really have to go through some hoops to get through, so I went via Bogotá and then via Lima uh, and then to get here eventually. Um, And that's the first logistic, like getting to La Paz is a real, real effort. And then you've got your second logistic of getting from La Paz to where the coffee's grown, because La Paz is like 4,000, 4,500 metres above sea level. No coffee's going to grow there, Um, it's very cold. and. so you have to get to the coffee grown regions and 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 i'm you know looking to get to carico not to carico sorry carico is the first place that you really find coffee after la paz um, but i'm looking to get to Caranavi, and Caranavi is around about 160 kilometers from la paz which sounds pretty much nothing um but it's on some of the worst roads in the world i mean bolivia's roads i think are as bad as i've seen anywhere else in the world uh, steep mountain climbs You know, uh, roads still being constructed. Um, The first part of the journey from La Paz to Carrico, up until 2003, you couldn't get here without going on a road called the Death Road. The Death Road has took more fatalities per capita or per per user of the road than any other road in the world. Um, uh, Many, many deaths, uh, still deaths on that road because it's still open. But in 2003, they built a new bypass road which gets around that. that only gets you to Carrico. I choose not to use that new road whenever I come here. I do a cycling tour. Um, So it's downhill mountain biking from La Paz um, all the way down to a town just outside of Carrico. And then uh, the kind people that look after me when I'm here, who I buy the coffee from, then come and pick me up from there and drive me the rest of the way. And that that part is more scary than going down death road on a mountain bike with sheer drops of 200 meters. Uh, and it's more scary because that road isn't finished yet. It's still being built. Uh, last time I came here, it took me six hours to do about 60 kilometers um, because of that road being just, people can't get past. Uh, it's just, in you know, it's intense um, to get through. And then you get to Karanavi, um, which is a, a beautiful town, but it's the, there's not like restaurants or hotels. I'm very lucky the people I buy from have some rooms that we can use at the mill. Um, So uh, I stop in what is a very, very comfortable room. Um, And yeah, that's pretty much what I do here. The history of Bolivian coffee is super, super interesting. So if you go back 40, 50 years, there was quality coffee coming out of Bolivia. It was known as a coffee growing country, and they were producing good amounts. And in fact, even if you just whiz back kind of 10, 15 years ago, they were producing around about 100,000 bags, 150,000 bags. Which is not a lot, but, um, you know, it was some. Uh, This year they're looking for around about 25,000 bags, uh, if they're lucky, you know, they're aiming for that. There's no guarantee that they're actually gonna get there. So, yeah, there's been a massive drop in production. Um, There's also been huge problems with government and with uh, the people that have run this country. I'm not a massive supporter of Evo Morales who is the current uh, incumbent in office in Bolivia um, Evo Morales comes from a background of being a coca grower he was the president of the coca growers like trade union if you like and um, the first thing he did when he came to power was kick out all of the US who had their war on drugs um, and kicked them out, kicked all aid out, and coffee was benefiting from an awful lot of aid. And then really just said, I don't really care about coffee growers, Uh, I want you all to grow coca, and I'm gonna make it super easy for you all to do that. Coca is legal to grow here. Coca is uh, just a leaf that is chewed, uh, used in a lot of food products. Um, I've seen it used in a beer. In fact, I had a gin and tonic made with it last night. Um, Tea, but it's, you know, when it's not turned into marching powder then it's it, it's incredibly you know it it's, has historical use here <coughs> and it's something that um it's traditional so but the increase in coca production has meant a decrease in coffee production coca gives you four harvests a year coffee gives you one coca will give you co- production within the first year coffee will take three four years to do that Coca is very resilient as a plant. Coffee is very unresilient as a plant, as you know. Things like leaf rust, you know, nematodes, all the other things that can, you know, coffee borer. There are all sorts of pests and disease that can attack coffee. And there's a big market for coca here as well. So it's very easy to sell. You don't have to have buyers spread all over the world to send it to. So the temptation has been for people of Bolivia to rip out their coffee plants and plant coca plants and you think oh that's okay they're allowed to do that and they are it's completely their thing but the problem is with coca is it rips all of the goodness out of the soil because of those four harvests a year because of the kind of plant it is we're starting to see now the effects of coca growing in that coca isn't growing as well with people who planted it when morales first came in as it was to start off with The increase in the market has meant that the the coca price that was going up up until about two years ago has now started to drop, so people are getting less money for the coca that they're planting. And we're seeing a world coffee shortage, which is meaning that coffee prices, and particularly specialty coffee prices, are on the up. So you're seeing this real transition happen, but then you've got that four year lead up to plant coffee, so nobody wants to plant coffee. The mill I'm at is owned by an amazing friend called Pedro Rodriguez. And Pedro uh, set up this mill in 2002, I think it was, 2002, 2003. That's the mechanical dryer starting up in the background. That's the background noise. You want it atmospheric, you've got it. At a time where there was coffee production here in Carinavi, he was uh, taking coffee in from the local people, milling it, processing it. And then selling it. Selling some to commodity buyers. And within time, as as he learned his trade, uh, to specialty buyers. um, Was integral in the uh, Cup of Excellence happening here in 2006 and 2007. uh, Something Morales quashed and jumped all over and made sure that didn't happen anymore. But Pedro was getting these great lots in. um, Really good coffees and selling them on to specialty buyers. But the problem is, is those guys don't have the skills or the ability to combat things like leaf rust. So one of the producers that we were buying coffee from here was telling me that he didn't believe that leaf rust was, uh, like, a problem. He thought it was something... It was like uh, something from God punishing him for something he'd done. Um, He thought that he couldn't do anything about it because, you know, he couldn't... And when we were telling him, yeah, you can do stuff with this, he didn't believe us (laughs) Um, and his yield has dropped and dropped to the point where he abandoned the farm and went to grow and go coca down in South Yungas. Um, Agronomy and agronomists do not exist in Bolivia there is nobody that comes in and will say oh you should plant this varietal here in fact varietals are the varietals that were just planted there nobody's really planted new varietals here for a very long time. Um, And again, that's just lack of access, lack of education, lack of access to education um, to do with coffee growing. They're just doing what they've always done and hoping that that's enough to get by, which is proving that it's really not. Um, Lots of people who we've been buying coffee from in the 10 years I've been coming here have just disappeared. And it wasn't that we weren't paying a good price because Bolivia is the most expensive origin for me. People say that Kenya, is i've heard other roasters say that kenya is their most expensive origin and you can stick an extra dollar a pound onto any of the kenyans that we're buying before you even start with anything special or unusual so it's not the price it's really just that they're losing the interest the focus they're seeing yields drop with old plant tissue you know they're not planting new varietals they don't have the skills to be able to cut back and prune and Also scared that if they cut back and prune, they'll lose some of their uh, yield for a little while. You know, it's quite scary to say, oh yeah, just cut it back, it'll be back in two years and you'll get more then. But one, there's no guarantee they'll get more. Uh, And two, like what do you do for a year when you're a subsistence grower and that's all you have to live on? So they've just been pushing it and pushing it. Um, You know, picking is a big problem here that, you know you can't get pickers, so people are picking themselves. Climate change is a big thing here, so it's raining when it shouldn't be raining. So they'll be doing the harvest, and all of a sudden it will rain. The rain means that the cherries split open. That means that the coffee isn't good. It isn't cupping well. So there's just so many, so many challenges being a um, Bolivian coffee grower. We've tried to do some things here. So with Pedro, we've been part of a program called Sol de Manor. Which means it's basically, if you sign up, you'll get agronomic advice. So, the money that me and other roasters have put in have paid for a agron- agronomist to come in and to give advice about things like leaf rust, things like pruning, things like harvesting, um, soil types. You know, really just uh, things like fertilisation. Um, Solder Manor gives them access to fertilisers that they haven't had before so Pedro has been subsidising uh, bringing in these fertilisers to the growers <clears throat> so they, you'll have to excuse my voice I've had this cold for a couple of weeks now Um, So helping them use the right fertilisers, use the right things to combat the leaf rust, um, but also a big programme of replanting. So part of the thing when you sign up was that you had to have a nursery of plants. So they helped you set up a nursery, Pedro and this agronomist, where you would plant new plants where the old plants are and um, try and bring new plant stock in. And you would get lots of help and advice and and the experience that Pedro has of doing that. And we've seen some really positive effects come from that. We've had some real kind of feel-good stories come out of that that's been making me super happy and proud of the work that, you know, Pedro's doing here and and the work that we're contributing a small part to, which is kind of pretty cool. Um, But there's still not enough. You know, the yields that are coming in, for Pedro to keep this mill open just weren't there so the other thing that he's done is that he's planted uh, his own farms he's actually bought eight farms now seven or eight I'm losing count he's got that many but there's two in um, an area which uh, is called Santa Cruz which is a big city the other side uh, of La Paz uh, the other side of the country um, which is a lot lower and not traditionally coffee growing regions the village that they've uh, set up the farms in have never grown coffee and aren't you know this is the first farms that they've seen but we cut some of the results uh, this morning actually um, and they were tasting really good that's in its second or third year so very small yields um, and then there's the five, uh, five farms here in Karanavi uh, which um, have got interesting varietals planted in so red and yellow Bourbon which I've never seen in Bolivia. You've got Catayi, Catora, Tipica. We've seen some geishas, we've seen uh, some Javas. some uh, Ethiasar. Um, a Kona geisha, which I've never heard of and scares the heck out of me, but apparently that's an experiment that they're doing here. Um, all on their own farms, so they can keep this mill open and keep the people who are working in the mill working um, and keep his investment there. Um, it's absolutely amazing the work that that's been going on here. It's so impressive and and, and so kind of fulfilling to see the the difference that, that you know it's making. Um, and I've kind of been coming here and seeing the farms grow up. So I was here in the first year when they were just clearing the land and getting it ready for planting. And then came the next year, and you know you're seeing the seedlings kind of in the ground and starting to kind of grow and then the first flowering and the first harvest and now we're really seeing that ramp up and and, and by 2018 they're going to be all at full production uh, or even the new farms that they've brought in and we're going to see all these amazing varietals come through You know, something that will hopefully keep Bolivian coffee alive and um, I don't know you look at this country and it has hard working people that want to tend the land now this is unusual you go to El Salvador or Guatemala everybody wants to work in an office but these are farmers they're people that want to work with the land you've got altitude boy have you got altitude you know you've got great weather conditions you've got volcanic rich soil apart from where the coke, coke has been planted and I just think like with a little bit more encouragement and a little bit more success stories like seeing sold the manor stuff like pedro's farms seeing high prices to be paid seeing more buyers come to bolivia um then we can only you know we can only reap the rewards of that going forwards for as a specialty coffee industry because bolivian coffee was great um no i don't know many people that bother i don't know many people that stock it and that just kind of makes me sad you know, it's a hard country to get to, as I've already said. It's a hard place to get to the coffee-grown regions. It's even harder getting it out. You know, you're living in a landlocked country here that doesn't have, um, doesn't have a port, so everything has to go through Chile. Um, and the na- relationships between Bolivia and Chile uh, are a little strained at times. So sometimes the border just closes and containers get stuck there on the, on the, uh, on the border until they decide to open it again. And then you've also got um the you know the problems of getting it through the panama canal so for, for europe you know you're the wrong side of the ocean so you've got to take it up and through panama and then across the atlantic and um, to you know the european ports which again just makes it a long long process you know we've we've had containers take 10 weeks when borders have been closed and different shipping lines we've had problems with and and all of that and then you have the problem with the drugs so you have the problem with the coca leaf which means that when it gets to tilbury in the uk that container gets an awful lot of attention x-rays i've had them unloaded and reloaded then unloaded again and reloaded which is all extra cost you just kind of think why bother like why go to all of that effort and hassle and strain when you know there's great coffee in panama el salvador Africa and I just think, well I don't know, the coffee world without Bolivian coffee would just be a sad, sad place, I've just spent the past few days cupping the hell out of tables and just thinking if this coffee didn't exist what would we do? It'd be so sad So what's the future like for Bolivia? I think unless there's a change of regime in the government there's been some softening so Evo had a competition uh, last year and this year for the best coffee from Bolivia. But because of the mistrust of government and because of the way that the government has kind of plundered money or hidden money, um, there's not a great deal of trust between the people growing coffee and his motivations for doing it. Uh, President Morales announced last week a $35 million program to take Bolivian coffee from 25,000 bags to half a million bags within five years completely unrealistic Um, not unless everybody in Bolivia starts growing coffee then it might happen but if we could just get I don't know hundred thousand bags again I would see that as a major landmark for um, the revival in the industry instead of this constant decline but my feelings for the future are as they've always been for Bolivia flip a coin make a decision have a choice and you know might work out might not work out but I know that for as long as I'm getting the coffees that I've been tasting this week in this country then I'm going to keep coming back and I'm going to keep trying to buy it and keep trying to I know promote it and I know that customers that we have love it and and yeah, it's it's, it's it's just, we have to keep working at it. So before I sign off, um, I'm just gonna finish on a story. And this kind of really encompasses uh, the whole mess of Bolivia. So in 2007, I was a member of the Cup of Excellence jury here in Bolivia. Um, it was here in, uh, actually no, it was in Carico. Um And in Carico we were stopping in this amazing hotel, um, and we cup these coffees as you do at Cup of Excellence and all the way through I was finding this one coffee that I was absolutely loving I was adoring, it was really good Um, but it didn't make it through to finals, through to the top 10 but it did make it through to the auction so um, we went to the award ceremony and I'm at the award ceremony and I'm in this greenhouse and gringo like me doesn't bode well in Bolivia and i'm standing outside because it's really hot and this guy comes up to me um obviously from bolivia and says in english are you okay do you need anything i was oh, i'm just a bit hot i'm okay and like a minute later he comes back with a bottle of water starts talking to me and i was like oh why are you here and he says oh i'm one of the bi- one of the producers uh, one of my lots has been in there i don't know how it's done yet but you know my first year of production i don't expect to do so well Got talking to him. He recently spoke such great English. He was working in the oil industry um, in the US, uh, in Texas, um, and was Texas educated. He went to university there. Comes from a a fairly well-to-do family, so he was lucky enough to be able to be well-educated and get a good job. And really enjoyed the conversation with him. Uh, We exchanged business cards. I got on the aeroplane home. And I'm going through the business cards and I look at this name and I look at my results from the Cup of Excellence and what I'd re- this one that I'd really liked and the names matched up, Mario Andrade. So I was like, this is crazy. So I dropped him an email and I was like, Mario, I love your coffee. I'm really wanting, you know, I'm, I was really pleased to meet you. I'm really hoping I can buy it in the auction. And he's like, that's fantastic. I really hope that you enjoy it. And that was it. So cup of Excellence auction comes along and I bid the heck out of it to make sure I get it and I get this lot. and I drop him an email and I'm like, Mario, I'd like, I've bought the lot. I'm really excited. Can we talk about next year already? I'm coming back to Bolivia. I want to come to the farm. you know I'm looking to buy not so much, but you know maybe buying 50 bags, 100 bags. you know would you be able to you know look after me and, and, and show me around the farm?" And I've got a reply back saying, uh, "Sorry, Steve, can't help." Which was really odd because we'd had this really positive conversation, and um, you know he was saying it was his first year of production, and you know he he was looking for a buyer and somewhere for it to go. So, being the stubborn git that I am, I I ended up emailing him back and was like, Mario, why? Come on, like I really want to buy this coffee. I've just bought it in Cup of Excellence. I'd love to have a longer-term relationship with you where we can, you know, buy the coffee from you going forwards. He was like, because I only produce about 20 bags a year, so I thought you wouldn't be interested. And I'm like, dude, that's perfect. Because, that's like, my 50 bags was me bragging. 20 bags was perfect. So I came back the following year, bought that coffee for a couple of years. Um, my co-conspirator on Tampa Tantrum. the way we got to be friends with each other was through Machica Marca. Um That was the first coffee he competed in the Worlds with in 2009. And before the WBC in 2009, me and Colin hadn't met... Um, And he was just looking for a coffee to take um, to the WBC and loved this coffee. Um, So we became friends through it. Every year we bought it, we would sell it in a heartbeat. And then the following year, I think it was 2011, 2012, uh, I got an email from Loopy, who is Mario's uh, sister, saying that the farm had been taken over by the local community. Um, What had happened was there was some drug cartelli type people in town who had heard that um, they were getting this great price for the coffee they didn't really like the idea of people getting a great price for coffee so um, there was a, a ruse created where they would take the farm off the family and keep it as their own Loopy went through a two year battle through the courts um, with the government which again I don't, I don't dislike the government but i have I wouldn't say I'm their greatest fan, so I can imagine that's a difficult process. But two years ago, she got the farm back, which is amazing. Um, It's been a very long haul. The the whole house was ruined. It was turned upside down. The farm was unkept. Nature took back over. Lots of the trees were ripped out. So there's been a, a period of trying to cut back, see what's there, trying to get the farm back on an even keel it looks like this year we're still not going to get a harvest from it which is this is the third year of having that farm back or third harvest which again doesn't hold out a lot of hope for me but tomorrow um, i get to go back to machica for the first time since 2009 Uh, we're going to go and visit loopy and we're going to record a little bit of video that we're going to show um, at Tampa tantrum in new york just to kind of wrap up this whole bolivia loving that i have Um, But Lupi is 79 years old. She um, she was previously the mayor of La Paz. Um, She was imprisoned by the government of the time um, on another made-up ruse. Um, She uh, still works the farm now um, with her brother Mario who uh, uh, lives in Santa Cruz, but it's like a family house that they have that they all come together in. Her father was one of the original people that... Did the coup in the 40s to overthrow the government and have democracy in bolivia like super interesting lady so uh tampa tantrum new york we're going to show that video and i'm sure it'll make its way online after that for, for those of you who just listen to the podcast but um it's a super super uh story and she's a very eloquent and very well educated lady who'll get that story across really well i'm sure Okay, 26 minutes of Stevie Leighton talking. Jeez, what did you do to deserve that? I don't know if that's the end of the podcast because I'm sure Jen has something to tag on the end uh, and to add to this. But if she doesn't, um, thank you for listening. Um, If you're still here, I'm sure you're not. Um, If you've got any questions about Bolivia or you want to talk to me about it, like there is no subject I am happier talking about. So please feel free to drop me an email, uh, steve at tampatantrum.com um or like through the normal channels comments or whatever or twitter and uh, facebook and all of that stuff and i'd really love to uh, i love to talk about this country i love it um thank you for joining me over and out
1: so on that note um i do have a couple of things to follow up with here but the first thing i do want to say is that very sadly, and uh, I, I know I'm absolutely gutted. Steve is m- far more gutted than I am. Um, on his way to South Youngest to go to Machacamarca yesterday, um, there was a uh, very heavy rain in the area, and a mudslide took out the road to get to Machacamarca. So, um, luckily, Steve was on the side. Uh, he, was, he was sort of. Ha- hit upon the mudslide after it had happened Um, but it did make the road completely impassable so there was no way for him to get down there to see Lupe and we are we are super sad about this I mean for for a number of reasons like I have heard stories about Lupe since gosh (laughs) since I started working with 3FE back in sort of 2011 and um I have been looking so forward to sort of meeting this lady uh via video and and really getting to spend some time with her like we had had some emails back and forth trying to prepare for uh New York and sort of what we wanted to do there with her and um yeah it's it's absolutely gutting but we're we're hopeful we may we may still find a way to include her voice there. I would really really desperately love to do that um she's such an incredible human being, but uh and I'll, I'll link you to the like her voice is actually like she's written a book and she's she's done a couple of other podcasts and recordings and things like that so I'll link you all to that stuff um in sort of the footnotes of the podcast if you if you're a subscriber you'll get all those links down at the bottom like you usually do um but yeah so that's I mean first off I guess that's the the kind of the the sad bit there um the rest of the news that I have is, you know, as, as it usually is, I think, I think you guys can usually tell when uh, I give Steve and Colin a list of things to run through at the, at the end of a podcast in terms of what's happening next. But, you know, we have a lot on coming up in the next, um, gosh two three months uh so we're, we're coming to New York you guys are already well aware of that we've released our amazing speaker list I cannot wait to get this group of speakers together like we are sort of already having our back and forth in our chats about you know sort of presentation preparation and stuff like that and I'm really excited about the work that is that is going on in preparation for New York so um it's going to be really amazing and And really quick, uh, just sort of like in Antwerp, um, everyone sort of had the opportunity to contribute to Taylor's presentation. Jen Chen is similarly requesting some stories, this time about power dynamics. So if you have, A, if, if you don't know what power dynamics are, I suggest you follow the link in the footnotes um, and take a look there. There's there's a really interesting comment, uh, comic, actually, that Jen is linked to on sort of what power dynamics are and why they're important and sort of how they shape our ability to to exist and, and see things and do things. Um, but if you have any specific instances or uh, things that have that happened to you along your sort of coffee journey that has to do with power dynamics, um, we'd be really interested in hearing them. Jen certainly would be. So um, please, please, please follow the link if you have anything to share there. If you're curious, you want to know more, um, we'd love to hear from you. And that, I mean, I think there's there's been a real sort of uptick in wanting to make sure that like we're, we're touching lots of different people's stories and including them there. And um, so yeah, we'd love to hear from you. And then in addition to that, um, you know, tickets are still available. They are starting to really go. Uh, So if you haven't gotten yours yet, I strongly recommend you do. Um, Like my phone was buzzing all weekend with Eventbrite notifications. So, um, yeah, definitely get in. We'd love to see you there. It is, uh, the space is lovely. It's beautiful. But we also have a pretty strict cap on how many people we can have there just because we don't want it to be uncomfortable. So um, I, I highly recommend you get in before we hit that cap. Um, then right after New York, uh, we are pretty much, we are coming back and we are hitting the ground running again. We are heading to Estonia, um, to Parnu for the first ever Roser Guild of Europe, uh, camp which um, I'm really excited about actually. So usually we do like a full-time potential program and it looks and feels pretty much like all the others to a certain extent. You know, we get Steve and Colin up there, they have chats and, you know, we do the 20 minute talk. We do some Q and A, we do some panel discussion. Um, But for Roaster Guild of Europe camp, um, I, for those of you who have been to Barista Guild of Europe camp, um, you know, so in the mornings we'll have classes and we'll have lunch together. But then in the afternoons, there's usually sort of a lecture series or or things that are a little bit less hands on and a little bit more sort of cerebral. And for Roaster Guild of Europe, we've worked really closely with them to develop and and mostly sort of like produce um something that's really different to what we've ever done, I think, actually, because we're not really focusing on one person talking, we're focusing on building um, a panel of lots of different voices. so for both of those afternoons, the day one, we're sort of gonna be looking inwards into the roastery and um, we're gonna be doing some stuff with ergonomics, hopefully, um, trying to trying to get a, a certified ergonomicist out who's done some work with coffee roasteries um, to come out and sort of talk about, you know, what he's noticed there and how, what we could do better in terms of looking after people. And um, I'm really curious to see this because I think we all know that there are lots of things that go on in coffee roasteries that maybe don't abide by European standards. So. Um, um, for health and safety so I'm really curious to see here what he has to suggest and and what what we could do differently there um, additionally we're going to be talking a little bit about um, there's SEAE has some new research uh, led by Morton Muncho who spoke with us in Paris but this one is on business models for roasteries um, And He and I are having a chat this week a little bit more about the research. It's so new I actually don't know anything about it Um, But I'm really excited to to have a chat with him and see sort of where that's going and what we're going to be talking about there Um, And then we're also going to be chatting with Taylor and she is doing some work with Cropster and with four different types of roasters I think it's we're gonna call it um, mapping Mapping machine and curve or curve and machine, and um, just sort of looking at the impact um, different machines and using different profiles sort of have on the flavor of coffee. And we're gonna taste some of those samples that she's been doing. And um, I don't know if any of you have seen some of that work already. Like she's had a. Uh, a place open where you could you could sign up to receive samples and give feedback on the different coffee that way we can see whether or not there's any correlation between um curve and flavor um, it's going to be really interesting I'm really fascinated by it so that's looking inwards That's going to be on the first day of camp and the second day of camp is going to be looking outwards so we are um we're we're so lucky to be joined by Colleen and you not once in New York but twice she's going to come to us with Estonia is uh, in Estonia as well um I'm super excited about this. And we're also going to be joined by Sarah Marocchi, um, or Marocchi, and I'm terribly sorry, Sarah, if I've completely botched uh, the pronunciation of your name, but we are we are gonna be looking at things like green buying ethics, stories from origin, uh, trading models and certifications, and just sort of talking about sort of the things that we do outside of the coffee roastery uh, when we're building relationships and when we're developing uh, developing those relationships and, and sort of existing in the world beyond. Um, And in addition, we're also going to take a look at sort of, you know, what comes after camp for Roasters Guild of Europe and also for um, for personal education like CDS modules and things like that and sort of education as it's evolving now with a new unified organization. Um, So I think. Overall it's really exciting. Like it's it's definitely different to anything else we've ever done. It's not really a tamper tantrum, it's really just us sort of, you know, prepping some stuff for, for Guild of Europe, but doing sort of the bits that we love best, which is working with the speakers and sort of developing content and Um, You know, trying to make sure that there's lots of different voices that are heard, but um, that's going to be really exciting. That's happening. Tickets are still available. That also has quite a strict cap on it. So um, if you are a roaster in Europe or if you are interested in roasting and you live in Europe, um, it's probably a little bit easier for you to get to Parnu. Please come join us that would i think it's going to be lots of fun uh the the workshops are really interesting um sort of what we're seeing there it's, it's mostly the working group that's sort of building out those workshops and um yeah it's, it's definitely gonna be i mean it's the inaugural roaster guild of europe camp like what what is not to love about being there for the first time something happens like it's definitely going to be a little bit of a momentous occasion. Um and then directly after that, pretty much, I mean I guess we have about of a month about a month's downtime in between, um but we are returning to Manchester for our yearly sort of collaboration with Cup North, um who this year are not just putting on Cup North as we know it, but are actually putting on the Manchester Coffee Festival, um which I think is really exciting. And um I had a site visit a while back and we're in a different part of Victoria Warehouse this time and it is absolutely gorgeous, just amazing warehouse space. It is is so beautiful um, and I'm really excited about what we're doing there. It is, again, totally different to anything else I think we've ever done. Uh, Colin and I had a bit of a mad brainstorm about it uh, just a couple of days ago and um, I think it's going to be really exciting. So we're there on the Saturday. Um we'll be there doing some some fun stuff in the afternoon, hopefully some things to taste and to experience and to sort of you know chat with and a little bit more open, a little bit less speakery, a little bit more just just come up and have a chat um one of the other things we're hoping to do is sort of just have a camera out um somewhere safe and uh, a little bit quiet but you know like, one of the things I love about tampertension from the very beginning was the idea of like, let's get lots of voices up on stage. People who haven't necessarily won the trophies, although that did happen or people who don't necessarily have the opportunity to, to stand up on stage or don't feel comfortable sort of, you know, giving a, a competition presentation, um, and just trying to like get people to geek out about whatever it is they want to geek out about, even when it's not competition. Cause that's, I think what most of us sort of came to this, um, through. And, uh, we're hoping to do that in cup north in a different way so we'll have a camera set up you come in and you geek out you have a rant you tell us what you love you tell us what you hate um what's really bugging you what you really wish would change or what questions you have and um we're hoping to make a compilation from that that we'll be able to share with everyone and and maybe it'll be a way in which we sort of source um our next speaker so you bring an interesting idea and uh maybe you don't necessarily already have a platform but let's give you a platform so um keep an eye out for that it should be really interesting we are working on the logistics of that now but I'm hopefully we'll be able to announce some more about that soon um and then in the evening probably doing something uh, again a little bit more different like I think um so during the day because Cup North uh, Manchester Coffee Festival excuse me is sort of such a um it's it's such an interesting show because it's not really just for industry people. It's it's actually quite consumer focused and uh, and it's very local feeling as well, right? It's it's like sort of the north of the UK and like you know, looking at like all of the beautiful things and all the cool things that are happening there, sort of outside of the metropolis that is London. Um, that uh, so during the day it'll be quite consumer focused but in the evening that's when we're going to sort of again turn inwards and maybe look at some some things that are a little bit industry focused and again maybe not do so much in terms of you know 20 minute talk 20 minute Q&A whatever but more panel discussion more a little bit fun a little bit casual hopefully have some beer hopefully have some food hopefully you know and just just have fun really because that's kind of what we've been about for a long time like geeking out and having fun and and whatever, and and I think this year for us has really been sort of looking at coming back to who we are and just going for it, you know. Um, anyway, that's probably more of my voice than you expected or wanted to hear on this podcast. and um, that is what we are doing through the end of the year. We are also starting to talk about next year a little bit, so hopefully we'll have some information to share with you there too. Um, things are taking along, but you know, as always, we are we are growing and learning and changing and and doing our thing. So if you have feedback, we would love to hear it. I know I would love to hear it. Um, Sometimes I feel like I operate in a little bit of a, in the dark sometimes because like, you know, you get, you get Facebook likes, you get this, but like, I don't know, like, what do you guys want to hear? What do you want to, what do you want to dig into? Um, And we're looking at, changing some things up with the podcast and changing some things up with the events that we do, but, you know, mostly just in the name of having fun and, you know, keeping it exciting and new and different for us too. So if there's anything we can do that uh, you would, you would find really interesting or you would love to see happen in the world of coffee that isn't already happening, please just, you know, give us a shout, drop us a line. Hello at temper tantrum.com is where you can find us. I think also idiots at temper tantrum.com as well, which is a throwback to the days of your, your, old days anyway um I haven't had enough coffee yet this morning and I would like to get this out to you guys as soon as I possibly can so thank you very much for listening not only to my voice for a good solid 15 minutes but to Steve's voice from Bolivia for a half an hour Um, hopefully you enjoyed this and if you didn't tell us why if you did tell us why Um, we'd love to hear from you Anyway, let us know. Thanks so much for listening. And we're looking forward to hopefully seeing you soon in person in either New York, Estonia, or Manchester. Over and out.
0: Thanks for listening to this podcast. It's proudly brought to you by Nuova Simonelli.